We're going to read the scripture. Joseph is one of my favorite people in the Bible because um, because you can tell God's hand is on his life, but that's but that's not the only thing. He just doesn't run around like a robot. He's responding correctly to difficult circumstances. And so we're going to pick up right after Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. Joseph uh, was his father's favorite son. He was the youngest. His dad gave him a coat of many colors, kind of set him apart from the other kids. Come on, you have a favorite in your house too. Don't act like you don't. What we did was we just told our kids who the favorite was and got it over with. And they're like, well, we knew that. I'm like, so why try to hide it? It's Carter. (laughs) Just kidding. My oldest daughter is here today back from WVU for the first time. It makes a parent feel so good that the only reason she came back was to get a new phone. Just warms my heart right in here. She loves us so much. No, but I am glad she's not leaving until tomorrow evening. So, right? Right? Okay. But Joseph, um, because of a couple things like that, his brothers became very jealous of him. If you know the story, they plot to, they actually plot to kill him. And, and then one of them gets a conscience and they decide, well, let's just throw him in a pit, in a well, and then we'll sell him into slavery. We'll sell him to the first people roll by which I'm sure you want to do some of your siblings. But um, they do that, and he finds himself in Potiphar's house. And the crazy thing is he finds himself running Potiphar's house. The Bible says that Potiphar didn't worry himself about anything as long as Joseph was in charge except what he ate. Lord, send me a Joseph. (laughs) So then what happens is uh, Joseph's wife, kind of takes a liking or uh, Potiphar's wife kind of takes a liking to Joseph in the unhealthy way and uh, Joseph doesn't oblige her and so she lies about him and he gets thrown into prison and then what you find out is he starts running the prison well he's in the prison he interprets the dreams of two different men one was a cupbearer to Pharaoh and one was a chief baker the cupbearer he tells him that he will Uh, get ready, you're going to be restored to service. And the chief baker, he says, sorry for you, bro. You're going to get your head cut off and impaled on a stake. Can't win them all. And uh, the the visions are 100% accurate, Joseph's interpretations of them. And then Joseph finds himself two years later, uh, the the cupbearer forgot about him when he was restored until two years later. And Then he's standing in front of Pharaoh and Pharaoh is asking him to interpret a dream. So Joseph does. And that's where we're picking it up. Genesis chapter 41, verse 28. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. Isn't it true that when you're in times of need, you forget how much you used to have. The abundance in the land will not be remembered. 
Because the famine that follows will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of those good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, There is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will they be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of linen, put a gold chain around his neck. Gangster. You weren't expecting that, were you? Had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Father, your word has the infinite ability to change us every time we look into it. We pray that we would do so today with open hearts, open minds. Pray that you would change us, God, and that it would not be just today, Lord, but you set us on a path of growth become the people we need to be to fulfill the calling you've put on our lives. And Lord, I pray that as we commit to personally growing in you and in what you've called us to do, that there be a great harvest, that more people would come to know you because we've determined to fulfill the calling on our lives. We thank you for this opportunity this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. Look at your neighbor and tell him, Tell them what you want to do with your life. Just tell them. Just say, man, my dream is. Go ahead. My dream is. Tell them. Now, after you've done that, look them dead in the eye and say, am I the person that can make that come true? Right now, do you think I can do that? Because in order for whatever you're dreaming to come true, you have to have a plan to become the person that can see that happen. There's nothing more frustrating for me than seeing somebody with lofty dreams uh, and, and no, no energy to make them come true. And what I mean by that is the person that you need to be to fulfill the thing that you want to fulfill is probably different than the person you are currently. But what we typically do is we typically think in terms of, I want this to happen, so I just want my circumstances to change. And so we pray that God changes our circumstances without changing us. Because I don't know about you, but if God would just reach down into my life and make my kids listen. If he just reached down into my life and give me more money. If he just reached down into my life and change certain circumstances in it. I could wake up tomorrow morning with less stress. With, with less worry, with less anxiety, I could wake up a different man, right? 
But what I find oftentimes is that God is not so willing just to reach down and change my circumstances, but he is all the time willing to reach down and change me. And what I've realized is the the person that I need to become to change my circumstances is probably not the person I am today. And so what do I do with that? So we realized as a church that that we're growing. That that uh, last year we started, no, this year we started three services and and we're trying to alleviate some parking problems by expanding our number of services we have. And, and there's more people coming. And I told you, we're 65% increase over uh, a year ago. And, and those are no small things. We have, we have real challenges as far as facility and, and, and different things in this building. But we're continuing to grow. And, and one of the things I'm realizing is that I have to be a different person one year from today. You should hope I am a different person one year from today. Because here's the thing. In any organization, any business you're a part of, if you're, if you're trying to grow and reach more customers or more people or whatever it is, if you're the same person you are a year from today, it's not going to happen. You have to know what you don't currently know. I, I told a guy the other day, I'm, I, my biggest fear is I don't know what I don't know. That's my biggest fear. But here's what I found out. Somebody else knows what I don't know. And they're looking at me going, he doesn't have a clue. So I look at the life of Joseph. And without it being implicitly said in his story, I believe Joseph was on a lifelong pursuit of personal growth. And I'm going to lay this case out for you today, if you don't mind. Because what we see happen in Joseph's life is that he improved no matter what his circumstance looked like. Because Joseph was sold into slavery, he was about 17 years old. So he spent about 13 years between Potiphar's house and the prison before he became second in charge of Egypt. That's a pretty long time from 17 to 30 you know, you, you think, man, those are some good years. And, and with the right education, with the right experiences, man, he could be, he could be top notch, you know, between 17 and 30. Because they say you don't actually get into the peak years of your life until you're about 40 years old. Somebody give it up for the 40 year olds in the house. Between 40 and 60. You know what that means? It means you've messed up enough stuff to know to not do it again. You've got enough experience under your belt. You're starting to get a little bit of gray hair. You're starting to speak for yourself. I ain't never going to get no gray hair. So if you look at the story of Joseph, you may just throw those 13 years away and say, man, I mean, he just didn't have an opportunity. His circumstances held him back. He was sold into slavery. He was, he was lied about. He was in prison. His circumstances just... Just kept him from being able to really achieve. And then the unexpected happens. The same man that you would, that you would think his circumstances held him back, didn't let him, didn't let him get the education, didn't let him meet the right people. All of a sudden he becomes second in charge of Egypt. But I don't think that was a cosmic thing from God just reaching down and promoting a guy that was sitting in the corner all the time. So here's the first thing that I'm, that I started thinking about is that Personal growth is just that. It's personal. That somewhere in our 
being, we have to decide to take responsibility for who we are and where we are. Amen? Because I don't know about you, but blaming circumstances and other people just gets old. Doesn't it? Well, I can't do anything about it. This is just, it is what it is. And, and what you find in Joseph's life is there's never a recorded instance of him doing that. There's never a recorded instance of him blaming circumstances for, for, for him not being able to achieve something or blaming circumstances. What you find out is he's sold into slavery and then he starts running Potiphar's house. And you ask yourself, how does a guy do that? I believe he took responsibility for who he was regardless of his circumstances. He, he went, hey, listen, I'm going to make the best of this. It is what it is. It, it, I, I can't change the fact that I'm in this situation. I can't change the fact that I'm in a job I hate. Come on. I can't change the fact that, that, that all these things are happening. But what I can change is I'm going to be good enough. I'm going to learn enough because I don't know before this happened that, that Joseph had ever actually run a house because he was the youngest. So where did he get the experience? In the bad circumstance, he committed to growing to the point so that he would know enough to run the whole house. You see, it's a difficult thing because I don't think you can get this watching Netflix. (laughs) I don't think you can get this playing video games. I don't think you can get it just sitting around. I think Joseph became an instant study about how Potiphar's house worked. I don't think he sat in the corner and moped. I don't think he went, oh, this is terrible. I can't do this. I think he went, okay, if I'm going to be here at this time, at this place, and I can't do anything about it, I'm going to be the best I can be in this moment. And I want to tell you something. That in the worst circumstances in your life, if you will determine to grow, it will change the worst circumstances of your life. It will change it, but it's got to be your personal decision. You've heard, the, you've heard the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You can drown that thing, and it don't have to drink. So you can be in the best environment for growth, but until you decide personally to make it happen, it's not going to happen. You can't just put your head on your Bible at night and go to sleep. You got to open it up. You got to read it. You got to take notes. I, I'll give you a little background about my journey of personal growth. I, um, I was a guy that got through high school. I graduated 3.0. I took tough classes. I never read a book my whole high school career, ever. Somebody give it up for people don't need to read. Get through high school. Is that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Come on, I thought you'd clap for that. That was, I mean, that was an achievement. I never read a book. And that's not an exaggeration. The reason I know it's not an exaggeration because immediately after graduating high school, I went to Shepherd College. It's a little bit smaller back then. I got a 1.6 my first semester at Shepherd College. Where's my wife? Is that a true story? Not lying. Second semester at Shepherd College. I was praying for the 1.6. It didn't happen. And so I got a letter in the mail saying, hey, Chris. We're glad to take your money, but your scores are so low, it's dragging the rest of the college down. It's not as funny as you're making it out to be. I, like, I got the letter. I'm reading the letter. 
And by the way, my parents weren't paying the bill. I had to, I was taking loans to go to school. And I thought, how does this happen? I never had to read a book in high school. I was smart in high school. As far as Muslim students went. (laughs) And what I realized was that I had no plan to grow whatsoever. None. None. I was unwilling to do anything differently than I had been currently doing. And I was trying to apply the same lazy academic laziness to a more difficult task. And I was failing at it every day. And so finally they said, hey, why don't you take a break, man? You know, get this figured out a little bit. And, uh, and the problem was I didn't change that. So I, um, I started to, I got married, got my head screwed on straight. Marrying a good woman will do that to you, like it or not. So I um, started to get my head screwed on straight, and I felt the call of God in my life. I became youth pastor here in, in, in uh, 2000. I was 24 years old. And I remember the, like the first couple months, uh, the district youth director for the Potomac District of the Assemblies of God came to visit our church. He did a Sunday night service. And after that, we had a little pizza party in the basement. And uh, he went to my pastor at the time and he said, hey, we've got this leadership cohort opportunity that Chris really needs. <laughs> and so, um, and my pastor was like, yes, he does. Wow. Did we ever take a risk on him? Uh, so what happened was they give me the op- they said, hey, we'll, we'll even uh, we'll even uh, give you a scholarship for it, whatever. So I started going to this thing. I was 24 years old. I had never read a book cover to cover. That's not an exaggeration. I just never did. And uh, I go to this thing and there's a, like a 31 year old guy there leading it. Uh, he's the guest speaker. I'll never forget him. He was the first guy I'd ever run across that I thought, oh my goodness, this guy's killing it. He had paid off his house already. Uh, he had no car loans, not like 31 years old, knocking it out of the park on every aspect it seemed. And he said this, he said, you guys will go out and buy cars. I will spend any amount of money it takes to better myself. And I went, my car's better than you. you know? <laughs> I mean, how do, you, how do you respond to a guy like that, right? And, and, he, and he said this. He said, readers lead and leaders read. And I thought, you know, I'm coming home to my wife. I'm like, I've never heard these things before. This is unbelievable. Uh, I didn't really grow up in a house that read books. And, and so I didn't think it was necessary. I didn't think it was, I just didn't know. And so um, I, at 24 years old, I determined in my heart, it was a requirement to stay in that cohort that you had to read these books. And I started reading these books and a whole nother world was opened up to me. I started figuring out that I didn't have to make the mistake somebody else made. Come on. Come on. Some, some people are repeating generational curses because they failed to go back and read the book. It's not that there's a curse on you. It's that you didn't check it. It's, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't just do the work. You didn't, you didn't read the book to find out, well, I don't have to keep repeating this. So at 24 years old, I started reading. And... Uh, And I've read a good many books since 24 years old because what I have figured out is that nobody now is going to force me to do it. Nobody's forcing me to do anything. Nobody's getting up in the morning going, Chris, the requirement now to be the pastor in Hedgesville Church, you have to read five books. Nobody's doing that. 
It's a personal choice. And, and if you're going to be better than you are tomorrow than you are today, you have to make a personal choice that I will not stay the same way I am today. I will not stay here. My, my, my kids need a better dad. My wife needs a better husband. My employer needs a better employee. So listen, if they're gonna, if they're gonna elevate somebody at your job, why shouldn't it be you? But they're not gonna elevate the person you are right now, maybe. They're gonna elevate the person that you need to become. And so it's a personal decision. Growth is something. Proverbs talk about the plans of the diligent lead to prosperity, right? So the plans, the plans, that means the diligent take responsibility for it and make a plan. The diligent take responsibility for it and say, when everybody else is doing this, I'm going to be getting better. When everybody else is over here, just, you know, whatever they're doing, I'm going to be studying. I'm going to be, we actually get emails from one of my daughter's professors. It's the most amazing thing. Uh, he said, well, your daughter was sleeping in class yesterday and I want to say, no, not the type of emails. <laughs> but he says, he says things like this. You need to, you, you need to set up these systems in your life to be successful in college. And he sends me one every week. And I'm like, I want to go to school. I want to, I want to, I want to go to his class. And, and he sends them every week. He said, man, these are the systems you set up in your life to be successful in this part of your life and to grow and to learn. And I'm, and I'm just eating them up every time he sends me one. I'm like, man, that's right. I'm going to make the staff do all this. This is perfect. And, but here's what he's talking about. You got to own your own growth. So if you decide to go party while the other guy's reading, don't hate the other guy for reading. Oh, <laughs> So it's got to be our decision. Joseph, at some point in time, regardless of his circumstances, said, I'm going to grow into the person that Potiphar will elevate to run his house. You think Joseph showed up the first day at Potiphar's house and went, listen, hand the Lord is on me. My dad gave me a coat of many colors and I interpreted dreams. uh, And God gave me some dreams that I was going to rule over everything. And you should put me in charge. (laughs) Just got here 10 minutes ago on the slave train. (laughs) but I'm I'm the guy to run this thing. No, that's not the way it works. The problem with us as a society, we think we should start at the top every time. We're going to get into that in a second because you think God blesses circumstances. He doesn't. And so we're waiting for him to just bless us with the right circumstance. But God blesses behavior. Come on. God bless the behavior. So what happens is Joseph walks in and says, man, I, I'm, I'm brand new. What am I going to do? I'm going to learn. I'm going to be better tomorrow than I am today. And finally, that process in his life promoted him. His circumstance didn't change. He got a promotion inside of his circumstance. How many of you know being the lead slave is better than being the bottom one? So if you're, if you're Joseph, wouldn't it be better to be in charge of everybody else than be the one under everybody else? Sure it would. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to be the person that I need to be to get promoted. So Joseph plays that out. He says, I can't change where I'm at, but I can change who I am. And I'm taking personal responsibility for that. I'm not going to make any excuses about it. So after you take responsibility, you have to have a plan, right? We look at scripture, we find out people like Daniel prayed every day no matter what. What's your plan to get better, Daniel? I'm going to pray every day. Three times a day, I'm going to pray. If they make it illegal, I'm going to pray every day. Because why? It makes me better. I'm not going to give it up just because it makes me better. 
I'm not going to quit just because my circumstances changed. No, this is my plan to be a better person. Joseph worked hard no matter what the circumstance he found himself in. Paul committed in the New Testament himself to the word of God no matter what other struggles were happening. Matter of fact, he told the other, the other people serving with him, he said, it wouldn't be good for me to neglect the reading of the word and prayer. Because I know those are the things that make me better, make me a better leader. So my plan is to keep doing this stuff that makes me better. Now, here's the problem. Everybody is going to tug on your plan a little bit. Because everybody's got their idea of what your priorities should be. But let me tell you something. The best benefit to other people is a better you. So what you need to do is figure out in your life, I'm carving out this much time. I'm car- This is my, I'm going to commit to growing and I can't do everything else everybody else wants me to do all the time. Because if I'm not better, I can't help other people. Amen? So you got to make a plan. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. So watch this. Here's kind of, we're, we're walking through a John Maxwell thing right now, 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. I read it years ago and stumbled upon it again, and, and we're walking the staff through it. I told him we need to read it by November. That's four pages a day. Doesn't it all of a sudden become doable? You have to turn the page twice. You're like, I don't have time to read twice. You can do it while you're in the bathroom. (laughs) You're like, my husband all of a sudden gained a half an hour. You'll get that later. (laughs) Watch this, watch this. I'm going to say this a bunch. I want you to repeat it. Read. Read. Listen. Listen. Apply. Apply. Repeat. Ready? Read, listen, apply, repeat. Read, listen, repeat. One more time. All right, now watch this. There's an old saying that says, a stupid man learns from his, a fool learns from his own mistakes. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. And I'll be honest with you, as a human being, I don't want to repeat the same mistakes you're making. So write a book and let me read it. (laughs) Here's the thing that I figured out. There's a lot of people on the planet that know more than me. A lot. And I can't, in my little cocoon here in Hedgesville, West Virginia, I don't have enough time to experientially figure it all out. Because experience does not come just by, or wisdom does not just come by experience. Wisdom is the right handling of the experience. The knowledge to know what to do with the experience. And so here's what happens in our lives. We repeat the same mistakes over and over again because we don't have the knowledge to apply the experience. That's wisdom. And sometimes wisdom only comes from learning from people that have already walked through it. So I get in a cycle where I'm repeating the same thing over again, and we say, well, wisdom comes from experience. No, it doesn't. It comes from the right application of experience. Because you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, it does not make you wise. It makes you stupid. 
doing the same thing over and over again. What do they say? It is insanity. So watch this. Here's the way, here's the way I, I try to do it in my life. I read. Come on, guys, just put the excuses down. I made every excuse in the book. I used to walk around saying, I don't read, I don't read, I don't read, I don't read, I don't read. And I'm, now I'm realizing people that looked at me that were farther along than me go, yeah, we can tell. <laughs> we, we can tell. It is blatantly obvious. And I would say, I don't read, man, I don't, I don't read. What I realized is I would read what I was interested in. Oh, you read the sports, you read the, you, you read whatever, but, but I would make those excuses. And so now what I do is I say, I'm going to read so that I can be better because I can't afford not to be. Now watch this. You say, listen, what's listen to me? I started surrounding myself with people, right? Now you've heard people talk about mentors. I'm going to just say this right up front. You cannot sit over in the corner in your circumstance and wait for God to drop a mentor in your path. Go rope one. It's your responsibility. So here's what I did. Uh, I have several guys throughout my life. Uh, One of them has passed away now, but in my early years uh, as growing up in this ministry, uh, I would go to him nonstop. He's the reason that I travel to Africa right now. I would go to him nonstop, and I would just complain and complain and complain. And, and I, but he would listen. And then he would put the responsibility back on me. I didn't even know he was doing it at the time. I was too stupid to know what he was doing. And, and he would say, Chris, God uses prepared people. And I'd be like, I don't read. So what happened was, um, I started getting more and more and more. And I, and I have a guy in Virginia Beach that I'll call. And, and, and I'll say, man, this is what I'm getting ready to do. And he'll be like, don't do that. Or he'll say, hey, that's a good idea. Or why weren't you already doing that? Or, or whatever. And I let him speak into my life. I let him call me names. I have a, uh, an older pastor in Frederick that's 73 years old. And I'll meet with him about once he's related to so people that go to church here, I'll meet with him about once every uh, two months, and, I, and I'll sit in front of him. He's 73 years old. He's been pastoring longer than me. The church, their church is double the size of ours, and I'll go, how do you guys do this? How do you do that? How do you? He said things in the past year. He said words I don't even know. He said, Chris, do you have this? I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Well, let me explain to you. Some of the books that I've recommended to you have come from him. And you didn't even know it. You thought I was that smart. (laughs) You're like, man, he's a genius. The book that Amanda Llewellyn just talked about, The Plastic Donut, was not my book. It was his book that I met with him at breakfast one morning. And he handed me three books and said, read these. I said, yes, sir. And I read the book. And God spoke to me through the book. And I bought ten books and handed them out to people. And what you heard, right here, testimony of God's grace and mercy and provision for being generous came from a mentoring relationship I have. Because I can't stay the same. It's my responsibility. I have to have a plan. And so I call him up every now and then, about once every two months, and I say, hey, can we go to breakfast? And I say, absolutely. And I got to, it's a little bit hard of hearing, so I got to be quiet because we're at Cracker Barrel and I'm talking about you. I'm looking around like, we're going to have to meet somewhere else, man. 
I'm like, what would you do in this situation? What would you do? Well, Chris, Chris, you're on the right path. Chris, you need to adjust this. Chris, you need to do this. And I'm gaining from a wealth of knowledge that I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. But you have to have a plan. Read, listen, apply, repeat. Read, listen, apply, repeat. Read, listen, apply, and repeat. Just keep the cycle. Create a plan in your life. Who am I going to get around that's smarter than me, that's farther along than me, that's older than me, that's got more money than me? Can I just tell you this? I used to tell teenagers this all the time. You have a 14-year-old. When I was a youth pastor, I have a 14-year-old kid in relationship trouble. Who's the first person they go to? Another 14-year-old kid in relationship trouble. <laughs> man, she broke up with me. I know. My girl broke up with me too. What are you going to do? I don't know, man. We continue that process as adults. We're like, man, I'm broke. I know I'm broke too. What do you want to do? Let's go get something to eat. (laughs) Sounds good. Man, I'm thinking about buying a new car. That's a good idea. That'll make you feel better. That'll make you feel better. That'll make you feel, what do you want to do? Let's go shopping. I need a new coach purse. That'll make you feel better. Let's do it. You just got done talking about how bad you were broke. I got to feel good about this, man. We got to stick together. You know what I started doing? Hanging around people who had more money than me. On purpose. Because they'll buy lunch. <laughs> That's not why. That's, no, I started hanging around more, people with more money than me because you know why? They think different than I do. They think different than I do. They see opportunities before I even know they're even on the map. They see things differently than I do. So in order for me to grow and think different, I need to hang around people who know more than me. So it's absolutely foolish to hang around the people in the same circuit. I'm not saying that you can't come watch a football game. But expose yourself in your plan of growth. Say, who can I get up against that knows more, has experienced more, is better at it? And listen, put your pride down at the door. Because pride will keep you. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Pride goes before the fall. But the plans of a diligent man, come on. What do I got to be diligent about? Getting around somebody who knows more than me. Getting into the word. I don't have to keep repeating stuff. If there's power in the gospel, if there's power in the word of God, I don't have to keep repeating stuff my family has done for the last 50 years. I can get deliverance from it. Because why? Because I can be better every day being in the word. I can read, listen, apply, and repeat. You got to have a plan. Joseph is consistently, watch this, you can't replicate what you have not practiced. You can't replicate what you have not practiced. Joseph Watch this. Think about this. Joseph consistently and correctly interpreted dreams. Consistently and correctly interpreted dreams. There's no evidence where he ever interpreted a dream where it didn't come true. He's like, man, I'm four for six. That's a good batting average. But I said you're going to restore. You got your head lopped off. Whatever. I mean, it happens. No, 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 no. There is no way Joseph was sitting in the corner of that dungeon going, God is just dumped all this on me, this is awful, and then pops up and goes, oh, I can interpret dreams. God's given me the ability. No, he was practicing for the opportunity. 
I'm going to stay close to God. I'm going to have the right attitude regardless of the circumstance. I'm going to stay close, have the right attitude, stay close, have the right attitude. I'm going to grow daily, grow daily, grow daily. And then when it's time to perform, I can do what I've practiced. And so, and so the thing about faith is, is faith just doesn't pop up in difficult situations. It's something you've practiced and the difficult situation just brings it out. It, the pressure will bring out what's ever in there. And so what are you practicing that will pop out when the pressure comes on? When the, when the circumstance changes, are you still going to be able to interpret dreams? Yeah, because I've been close to him the whole time. Because I haven't let my circumstance separate. Because I haven't let my circumstance keep me from growing. Because I haven't let my circumstance dictate who I'm going to be. So when the opportunity comes, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready. The truth of the matter is, most of, a lot of times in our employment, the opportunity has come. We were never ready to see it. So we keep feeling like we get passed by, but the guy who will be ready for the opportunity doesn't get passed by. Potiphar's going to make Joseph the head of his house every time. Why wouldn't he? He's going to make him money. Why wouldn't Joseph be the head of the prison? He can run it better than anybody else. Circumstances don't determine your growth. You do. Joseph grew in spite of his circumstances. Flip to the New Testament, Paul tells Timothy this. He says, preach the word, Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. What's he say? Keep growing. You better be ready. You better be ready. In season, he said, circumstances are going to change. Your job is to be ready. Your job is to keep growing. In season and out of season. No matter what circumstance it is, Timothy, be ready. Be ready. Be ready. How do I do that? Read, listen, listen. Apply, repeat, read, listen, apply, repeat. I'm going to get myself around people. I'm going to get myself in the word. I'm going to read books that I haven't read before. I'm going to get around people that I refuse to be around before. And I'm going to grow because I need to be ready in season. I need to be ready out of season. I need to be ready every circumstance. I'm going to be ready. And so Paul's instructions to him are to do that. You've got to be ready for the time is coming. He said, circumstances are going to change and you've got to be sober minded. Enduring suffering, doing the work of evangelism, fulfill your ministry. Can, can I say this? Suffering is not a valuable experience if you have the wrong attitude. Suffering does not automatically make you close to God. Matter of fact, in that same book, Paul writes to Timothy and says, suffer is a good soldier. He says, make sure when you're suffering, make sure when you're in difficult circumstance, your suffering is for, you make it for a reason. Make sure you have the right attitude about it when it happens. Because suffering is not a valuable experience if you have the wrong attitude. There's no, there's no reward just for suffering. There's none. But if I can grow in the suffering, I said this earlier, watch this. Because God blesses behavior, not circumstances. Come on, let me play this out a little bit. Why don't the band come up? You can start playing, that'll hurry me along. I I want you to get this because we do this with our families. Watch this. God blesses behavior, not circumstances, okay? Now let me spell this out. There's over 1,500 if-then blessings in the Bible. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, if My people who are called by my name will humble them. So there's, God says, I will hear 
from heaven and heal their land. I will do this if your behavior is like this. I will do this if your behavior is like this. Over 1,500 of those if-then statements. That's a lot. But what we think is God will bless our circumstance regardless of our behavior. That, that if we have favor with God, our circumstances will always be good. So watch how this plays out. We stop blessing our kids' behavior and we start blessing our kids' circumstances. Uh, okay, I'll explain it a little more. Watch this. It comes in the statements like this. I want my kids to have more than I had when I was growing up. Why? Your kids are evil. <laughs> Think about it. So we inadvertently don't bless their behavior. We just increase their circumstance. And we do things to bless them in spite of their behavior. And you know what you call that? You call that a spoiled brat, don't you? Well, if I was my kid, I'd bend them over my knee like it was 1974. You know what I'm saying? Like I'd wear, but you won't say it on Facebook because you know what happens. You know, people are showing up to your house with black suits. So what we do is when the kid gets in, when something happens, we try to change their circumstance and we think it's blessing them. Oh, I'm going to get them out of it. You know, because they'll see the truth if I get them out of it. God blesses behavior. If you do this, I will do this. And so we try to change the circumstance. So that becomes the way we think with God. If the favor of God is on me, he will change my circumstance. He will change my circumstance. No, no, no. I believe if the favor of God is on you, he will change you. And so my kids, I'm, I'm telling them all the time, like, you got to get better. You got to get better. You got to, it's not going to change till you change. It's not going to change. You can't, you can't rely on the coach to teach you everything. You can't rely. You got to get better on your own. You got to have your own plan to get better. And if you don't get better, your circumstance will never get better. Do you realize that in five years after winning the lottery, the majority of people who win the lottery are just as broke as they were before. Do you know why? Because they didn't have a plan to start with. The percentage goes skyrocket. The people that had a plan for their growth before they won the lottery keep all the money. They don't lose it. But the people with no plan, you know what happens when, when circumstances get better for people with no plan? It just causes more headaches. So we can't wait on God to change our circumstances before we change. Could I, could I actually go out on a limb and say sometimes the circumstance has been put in front of you so that you will change? Because God's wor worried more about your growth than your comfort. He's worried more about you becoming the person that will fulfill the call he's put on your life than, than, than whether you have a million dollars in the bank or, or the perfect car to drive or all the clothes you want. He's more worried about you changing as a person than your circumstances changing. And so he's directing your steps to get you where he wants you to go. And what we find out is, is that because of Joseph's 
personal growth plan because every circumstance you saw him in, he didn't let his circumstance determine it. He said, I'm going to grow and be the best in this circumstance. I'm going to grow, be the best in this circumstance. I'm going to grow and be the best. Oh, now I'm in second place in all of Egypt. And so this wasn't God just reaching down, randomly grabbing some guy, promoting him and increasing his circumstance. This is a guy who grew in God the whole time, regardless of his circumstance. And the promotion was inevitable. So we can't be next year who we are today. It won't work that way. You can't be in six months the same person you are today. You got to take it personal. You got to come up with a plan and you can't let your circumstances dictate it. Come on, church. There's a world to be reached for the gospel. There's people in our town who really have never heard this good story that Jesus came and died for them. There's people who never heard it. And we can't be the same people tomorrow that we are today. We got to determine to be different, to be better. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Father, we thank you today. God, your goodness to us has not gone unnoticed. God, we, you have brought us to this point to challenge us today to be better. Challenge us to grow. Challenge us to become the person we need to be so that you can, we can fulfill what you've called us to fulfill. God, we pray that as we grow, you'd extend our reach. As we grow, you'd extend our, our territory. As we grow, Lord, you'd extend our influence, God. As we grow, you would make your will for us come to pass. We thank you for every opportunity we'll have this week. Lord, Lord, direct our steps and we'll trust you. We thank you for it. We give you praise because of it. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, could you give him honor and praise?